Welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with science advisor Matt Moniz. TV star Stephanie Burke is off tonight. <laughs> Moniz, do you have do you have the Fox Nation streaming app? No. Okay. Well, you can get a free trial. Okay. If, if you want to get a free trial, you can do that. You can sign up for one week free. If you are a first responder or an active duty member of the military or a military veteran, you can get a year free. And you can check out Stephanie's show, Secrets of the Asylum. It is uh, streaming now, all six episodes. We talked about it last week. Uh, but uh, if we if we don't... Well, I'm going to try really hard not to spoil anything for you. But I, I've been saying, you know, we're going to wait six months. And then we're going to revisit it before we talk about it. But I think you might have to watch it before we go to... Stephanie, Scott, and I are going to be going to uh, Eloise Asylum which was the focus of the TV show next month. So you might want to watch it before that, because I bet we're going to come back and talk about whatever happens there. So just a little warning there for you. But what have you been up to, Moniz? It's been uh, it's been a while since you've been here on Spooky South Coast. I say that as if, like, you've yeah. been ducking out on the show. No. No, we had one show back, yeah. and you were obviously otherwise yeah. engaged that night. But yeah. um, And congratulations on your engagement. Uh, Very proud of you. No, uh, <laughs> you were, of course, speaking with Andy about... About uh, paranormal things. Yeah, Bridgewater Triangle ghosts and Bigfoot and stuff in the local area at uh, the Masonic Lodge uh, last weekend. That went fairly well. You know, people are always surprised to find out that we have cryptids in the area and uh, the amount of UFO and ghost activity and other strange things that go on in this area. And when, you know, when we're talking about, like, I've been out pretty much... Every lecture that I've given at libraries this year has been on the Bridgewater Triangle. That's what all the libraries requested this year. Yeah. I did a couple paranormal 101s. I did one on Ghosts of the South Coast in Cape Cod. But for the most part, it's all been Bridgewater Triangle. I did one on paranormal properties last week in Westport. But it's been all triangle. And I was saying this, uh, I believe, this morning in Holbrook. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. They all start to melt together after a while. <laughs> I know but I was feeling. talking about how, you know, just the other night I was in Bridgewater at the Bridgewater Public Library this past Tuesday. And I was there in like, I don't know, 2015, 2016 and presenting on the Bridgewater Triangle. And I said, how many people here have heard of the Bridgewater Triangle? And out of the room of like, you know, 25 people, maybe half of them held their hands up. And then this past Tuesday, there was like over 60 people in the room. And I said, how many people have heard of the Bridgewater Triangle? And every hand in the room went up. And then I was like, okay, well, who hasn't heard of the Triangle? Nobody raised their hands. So it's been a big shift. And I think, obviously, the documentary has helped with that. The documentary being now free on YouTube has helped with that. But there's also been a number of other Bridgewater Triangle-related projects that have kind of put it out there in the public Well, you have the episode that Andy and I did for um, and Beyond Skinwalker Ranch. That was all on the Bridgewater Triangle. We're going to get into that. Oh, okay. Because, <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I just, I wasn't, I wasn't happy with how that came out. I don't know how you felt about it. We were like, at least they didn't, you know... They did a little bit of editing around with the way we said things, and, you know, both with me and Andy, but it wasn't horrendous. Let's put it that way. They over-dramatize things, but that's, you know, t TV does that. I talked with Andy about it uh, at the Ocean State Paracon, and my problem with it is they came in telling you guys, like, what was going on. Right. 
And I didn't, I didn't like the, like, here are the outsiders that are coming here because they're trying to see if this Bridgewater Triangle connects to the Skinwalker Ranch. Spoiler alert, it doesn't. But not directly. No. no, not directly. And I mean, does it connect in the greater sense of yes? There's there's this there's weird, weird phenomenon that happens. Yeah. Yes, but is there a direct correlation between the two? No. no. There's been a lot of people that have researched any triangle connections to other things long before these guys came in. Yeah. Uh, but and and just because I know somebody's going to be like, well, Tim, you're just you're just butt hurt because you weren't on the show. They had actually asked me to be yeah. part of it <laughs> and told me like you're going to be part of it. And then decided not to use me. And then I saw why. Because, like, here you and Andy are as two experts, but you're also there as people who had experiences. Yeah. And I didn't I didn't have any, like, experiences to share or evidence to share with them. I was just more of a, like, you know, ombudsman, om, ombudsman of, of the triangle where I could have talked about things but not direct things. And they were looking more to have their guys be those experts. Right. And it just, it to me, it rung hollow. I mean, maybe people that watch the Skinwalker Ranch show and know who these guys are, they didn't pick up on it. But when Andy's telling them, oh, whenever we use this El- this Micmac um, um, word of, uh, you know, Eutash, stand and fight, like we get a response. And they're like, okay, well, we're going to do this Latin prayer that we use at the Skinwalker Ranch and see it if that works. It was actually Hebrew prayer, but yeah. I thought they used the Latin version no, of it. Well, whatever. Hebrew, it doesn't, but, doesn't yeah. matter. It was wrong either yeah. way. You, you know, don't come and force what you did on the Skinwalker Ranch on here when we're telling you how to get interaction in the Bridgewater Triangle. Uh, you can confirm this with Andy. When they did that, the object didn't immediately show up that they recorded. And with the object that I saw, the the timeline in which they show it in the, in the show is different. Mm-hmm. Because the first thing that happened was that object showing up and then that set the tone for the rest of the night of doing what we were doing you know they like i said it's television they edit things in an order to make things seem more dramatic not you know just visually they also did a little bit of audio editing making andy and i say a couple of things that weren't necessarily the way we said them or or what have you and they splice stuff together yes people that happens in the television industry. It's, you know, you got to deal with it. But not, not in the good shows. Uh, I mean, in a lot of these shows, you and I both know that there's a lot of creative. It's, it's, a, it's a sneaky thing to do. Yeah. And I'm sure that you gave them good stuff that they didn't need to do oh, that yeah. with, but it yeah. didn't fit the narrative that they were trying to push. Exactly. So they came in with an agenda. And that's, listen, we get calls for lots of people that want to come in and do shows on the Triangle. Most of them never come to fruition, but so many of them come into it with like an agenda and they'll say to me, well, here's what we think. And I'll be like, all right. Okay. Yep. All right. But no, no, that's not really what's going on. And, you know, the good ones have been the ones that have come in and said, well, tell us about it. Tell us what's going on. Who should we talk to to find out what's going on? And then you give them the people that they can talk to about it, and then they can kind of build it from there. But when they come in and they've already got their idea in their mind of what the episode is going to be, then you know it's kind of uh, it's going to be an issue. But, hey, watch it anyway, folks. Watch it and decide for yourselves. Uh, it's on, they it was on History was, Channel, right? Yeah. What they did film was legitimate. We did have objects fly over us. and. In the one in my particular case, uh, there were four other cameras, high-definition cameras that picked up on this. And we just had, like I said, a helicopter fly over us that the drone operator has a special app 
because he has, he's it's a professional drone mm-hmm. with thermal and all of this. He's FAA regulated. He you know it has to have these special apps and stuff that point out where everything is flying in the sky. You know because they have to keep the drone away from planes and helicopters and stuff. That's law. And on his app, there is no correlation to what flew over us and what flew over us it's in at least in the video that they showed in my part it doesn't seem all that large but it was a fairly bright low flying it didn't wasn't falling from the sky it was traveling horizontally along the treetops and it didn't make a sound and the other interesting thing is it didn't cast a shadow and that that's what was tricking with my eyes is like why am i not seeing shadow of the branches on on the ground as it flew over well i mean again people can check it out if they want to check it out it was history channel right that's yep. so it's uh should be on on demand yep and um i know that you know at the very least it probably got some people you know looking for more information about the bridgewater triangle and then right. maybe they went on youtube and they found the documentary and maybe they found that cartoon with uh aaron Caju. where did you ever see that one so somebody made like a cartoon of the Bridgewater Triangle and they put Aaron in it. So there's like an Aaron cartoon character. Oh my God. He has like his Red Sox hat on and everything. It's it's very funny. Okay. I don't know how like accurate the information was. I forget, but it was entertaining. Like I was just teasing Aaron. I was like, you know, you, you live my lifelong dream. You grew up to be a cartoon. It's about 10 years now since the... Uh, yeah, 10 years. Yeah. 10 years ago, we were debuting it at UMass Dartmouth yep. and then taking it out on the road and... We were, we were everywhere with that. Yep. So, <sighs> those days. Well, the uh, we we should be proud that all of us helped bring this into worldwide attention. Uh, I've been to other states, obviously helping out things and various other events, and from travel having to travel for work and stuff like that. And I'd wear my Bridgewater Triangle T-shirt, you know, the T-shirt that Aaron handed out to everybody that was in the documentary. Mm-hmm. And oh, Bridgewater Triangle! I heard about that. That you know. And what's funny is you hear the stories from the people that are from you know, like New Mexico or Florida, and they're telling about what they think they know about it. It's like, well, yes, this has happened. No, that story is this way, but at least they know of the existence of it. You know, so uh, it's it's definitely known across the country and in some cases around the world. And there's probably, you know, as people are hearing about it, learning about it, and maybe even experiencing it for the first time, you know, there's there's going to be the need for more of these stories to get chronicled. Right now we're talking about, as you just said, 10 years ago that the documentary was made, but some of the stories that are in the documentary are, go beyond that. Oh, yeah. And so there's been so many stories. There were fresh stories when they were filming that. that and that we didn't have get brought fresh new stories now. And I think part of the the idea was always that other people would come and pick up the mantle. It's just nobody's done it as, as good as they did. Uh, yeah. There are several people that are Bridgewater Triangle experts now. Um, and more power to them. You know, I congratulate you for picking up, you know, the stories and moving along with them and, you know, making them public. Uh, but there's a whole bunch of new things happening now. Uh, and when I was being filmed... And one of the things I said to them is something that I'm sure you're going to verify as well. 
because it's, it's a truism. Because everybody that has really looked into this in the Bridgewater Triangle is one of the things I said to them, what you go looking for in the triangle is not necessarily what will find you. If you get where I'm going with that. Well, and also, they don't realize that there's mosquitoes. Oh, that too. <laughs> there's no, but what I'm saying, uh, Dave McCullough and I went out looking for Bigfoot out in Betty's Neck, which is part of the parts of the Bridgewater Triangle. We're all out there looking for Bigfoot, and 12 of us have a UFO encounter. You know? So, yeah. You don't know that Bigfoot wasn't piloting that thing? You are true. That is true. Could I very well have know. been that. That could have been how he gets out to Betty's neck. It's not no, easy to get to Betty's neck, you know. No, it's not actually. <laughs> and when you think about it, like when you think about a Bigfoot getting out there, like people would see that. People would see it walking by their homes. It's going yeah. down there. So maybe he's coming down in the ship and landing and getting out, and yeah. then they come back. Maybe it's a UF Uber, U- U- Uber FO. Well. There are plenty of stories uh, that involve Bigfoot getting out and going into UFOs. As a matter of fact, there was a big flap in the late 60s, early 70s in the Pennsylvania, uh, West Virginia area. Uh, Stan Gordon did a lot of uh, legwork on those cases. If people want to go look up Stan Gordon and Bigfoot UFOs, so... So tonight we are going to, we'll have the phone lines open, 508-996-0500. If you are new to the program and you are a WBSM listener, you are aware of our app chat feature on the WBSM app. If you are a spooky South Coast listener but not familiar with the WBSM app, just download that. You can get it for free from your app store. And when you do that, there's an option there called app chat. And that's basically, it's a, it's texting. You're just texting us in the studio and we can read your text on the air and we can um, we can answer it and we can discuss it. We can also, we also have a feature called open line on the app. And then on open line, what you can do is if you can't call in, maybe, maybe you can't uh, call in on Saturday nights because you're busy or you're working or whatever, you can actually call in anytime and leave a voicemail for us and then we can play it on the show. So the only thing that we ask is if you're going to record that, just make sure it's something that's you know, suitable for air. So don't use any words in the recording that you wouldn't be able to use live on the air. But if you want to send in one of those, we can try to play those as well. Now, the problem with trying to do it now is we don't have, we don't take breaks during the show. We play all of our commercials at the beginning so we can do this show podcast style so we don't have to interrupt the conversation for you. But so that means we can't preview any of those voicemails. So you'd have to leave them, you know, prior to the show so we can check them out. But that's an option. That's a way that you can reach out and discuss with us. And I think people might actually have some some uh, thoughts, some criticisms, some opinions uh, on this story that really has been going on for a couple of months now. But because, you know, we haven't been on the air. I thought you meant thoughts and criticisms about us. Well, criticisms about us would take up a whole bunch of They opinions. don't hold back about that. So. Yeah. Uh, but the... I think most people know by now that the Lizzie Borden house changed hands a few years ago. Yes. I miss Leanne. And, and I do, I've been talking about her every night in my presentation and, uh, but it was, the house was sold and it was purchased by us ghost adventures, which is a company owned by a man named Lance all. And listen, I think it's no, no secret to spooky, spooky South coast listeners that I've been critical of some of the things that they've done over there. Uh, last year on the anniversary of the murders, not this year, but in 2022, 
I went over there and uh, and Lance showed me around the house and showed me some of the changes, you know, and uh, we had a, a pretty good conversation. But I didn't, you know, I still felt the way that I felt about some of the things that were going on there, and that's that's my right. You know, I don't I don't have to like everything that he's doing. He bought the house. He paid the two million bucks for it. He can do whatever he wants with it. It's his place now. Uh, but I can also choose whether or not I agree with or support those things. And the story got really interesting this past summer on the anniversary of the murders when a coffee shop opened next door in the site of the former home of Ludwig Borden where uh, Eliza Ludwig, Borden yeah, yeah. and Eliza Borden, his her, second wife. Yeah. Uh, I'm just trying to decide if I should stop here and take the call. You know what? I will. I'll stop here and take oh, the call. Okay. That way there. I don't want to get into, I don't want to get into the coffee That's, shop stuff and then yeah. have to interrupt it. So good morning. You're next. Uh, <laughs> so used to that now. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. Hello. What's second play, boys? What's up, Messiah? What's up, buddy? Hey, what's up, player? Just living and loving, man. How you been hiding? I've been actually working like a dog on all of this stuff uh, while I've been on sabbatical. How about yourself? Well, I'm just being kind of constipated out here. You know, it's kind of hard being in Las Vegas and, you know, still being constipated. But I'm glad you're doing okay. I wish I thought you were coming. You, I, Tim said you were coming to Las Vegas. But he teased me from Vegas, New Mexico. I was like, oh. Yeah, it was in New Mexico, yeah. I was like, you were so close, but yet so far. But, you know. Well, you're not far from New Mexico. You could have made it there. Well, well, I guess if I figured if you were just coming to the halfway here, you might have couldn't care. I think you'd rather, we'd rather meet up in Las Vegas than meet up in, in New Mexico. It's like meeting up in New Jersey. You know, <laughs> I'm not going to want to be there because for well, any kind of reason. I may wind up in uh, Las Vegas in about three or four months. So if I land you, out there, I'll let you know. Please do. What are you planning on coming for? Uh, Super Bowl? No. It's Super Bowl time? I don't follow sports, so that would be no. Um, okay. Uh, I have a potential person that I may be doing a project with out there. That's I can't like, talk about it because non-disclosure agreements. And plus, you don't want to jinx it either. So that I too. got you. That too. And so, like I said, I got your back though. If you says you need any any people that are from the Vegas from the area that knows this area that could, if you need help, I could be more than happy to. Well, I can't guide say you that, I can't say that is UFO related, and you have provided us with a couple of UFO videos, so I may okay. be talking to you. Yes. Okay, well, then there's more than just videos or UFOs I can guide you with, you know, besides other paranormal things, like concerts. Oh, like this, I've 17 weeks straight, I've been to at least two concerts a week, except for this week. I haven't went to any concerts. I was thinking about going to see uh, Alice Cooper and, uh, and Rob Zombie tonight, but I'm not going to do that. I wanted to stay home and talk to you guys. Oh, okay. Well, Alice Cooper is cool. I've always loved his music, and Rob Zombie is... Uh, Homeboy from out here in Massachusetts. So if you were out here, would you come? Would you oh, hell yeah. That would be a double bill I'd see all day. That would be good. I'd, I'd say, sorry, Timmy, didn't miss your phone call. So yeah, that would have been nice. But that's all right, though. At least they got now they got the eye candy back with the show today. That's what I'm talking about, Playboy. Oh, so well, that's thank you. Thing. Well, Stephanie's you're not right. here if you're talking about eye candy. Oh, oh uh, or added eye candy. Okay. <laughs> 
Moni- Moniz is the candy buttons of eye candy. Uh, uh, you know, the candy the buttons. The candy corn that, of eye candy. No, candy corn's pretty good. I like that. But those candy buttons that came on the white oh, sheet. Which, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, as long as it's not the, like, as long as not the Mike and, not the Mike and Ike, what are those? The ones you said, the black licorice inside of it. Those are horrible, too. Oh, yeah. They are horrible. Good and plenties. You know, and no, Mike and, and Ike's are fruit flavored. You're talking yeah, about good and plenties. Good and plenty. yep. Yeah. And I, I know There's black, plenty because nobody wants them. <laughs> I usually don't hate them on things black, but like, I'm not, that's one kind of thing of black I'm not too fond of. <laughs> You're always going to bring it there, Lamone. Jeez. <laughs> Keep it at 100. Thank you. Don't need to lie about it, yeah. We missed you, Lamone. We've missed you. Not me. I hear him every day. Oh, well. <laughs> Even in his sleep. He's like, wait, wait, Lamone. Like, Lamone calls my morning show pretty much every day now. May God have mercy upon your soul. You when, when he, when he, that's right. That's right. And try to make sure he doesn't forget you. Oh, man, okay. keeps everything going. I think that you guys ought to do the show live. Why don't you put it on a YouTube again like good old days? We are live. We don't, we don't have the manpower anymore. We don't have the Matt power. We used to have Matt Costin here doing all that. Yeah. All you have to do is put, turn the cameras on. You got that in your regular day if you want to do that. Nah, nobody, nobody wants to see that. That's a matter of opinion. We're not wearing I like, pants. <laughs> I, li- I like to. Well, even, that's even more so. I like <laughs> to take. I, I like to take a show of hands out there. If everybody likes to see them live, see all the hands. Oh, it's a it's a sea of hands of everybody wants to see you guys live. That's what I'm saying, fellers. That's what I'm talking about. Well, better so, than seeing us dead, I guess. Oh, well, they asked even better. Well, I would rather see you guys live, you know, even yeah. if even if you're on the dead side, you know, we'll, we'll be great. At least you'll be a grateful dad, you know, nothing wrong with that. So, like, that's what he did. So, I was thinking what would be really nice is that there's going to be, uh, they're, they're talking about doing something here, you know, uh, with the Ghost Adventures. I know you don't watch the Ghost Adventures anymore. I'm trying to see what's going to happen. I'm not trying to go up there, like I said, with the 17th. Uh, 2017 was the last time I went up there, but I know people that come to Vegas. They well, you take us go to the to the uh, haunted museum in Las Vegas. I said, uh, okay, I might, you know, but I'll go then if that's the case. But I'll drop people off. Say, Good luck. Don't whatever you do, cost like 54 bucks. Whatever you do, don't touch anything. Yeah. They ask you to hold this. Don't hold anything. Like I said, if you got to hold the door open, that's it. You know, hold the handrails when you go downstairs. That's it. Don't hold anything else. You want to bring anything home to you? They tease you with that, like, "Oh, thanks for taking that with you." Like to have the, uh, like to have the Jack of Orkins band in his own room there, and of course, you know the Divot Box kind of goes on there. So it's like that's a whole different story. And I think that that would lead people to, to go down there. I think that's a it's a good thing if you want to see something scary and everything in there is real. But when you walk into a place, you know sometimes you can walk into a place and you can feel it, feel the feel the darkness. And I'm not talking about like, like oh, it's Flavor Flame kind of dark. I'm talking about even darker than that kind of dark. Oh. And, that you, and that's pretty dark, okay? It's like purple dark. And it's like, you, it's like you can feel it when you walk to a place sometimes. And even when it's, even when it's supposed to be a, a, a holy place, I've been to places where it's supposed to be holy, a holy, a godly, but you can feel, the, feel it on you. And that's what I did. And I, when it comes to some places, oh, God, I'm always... I'm always on the I'm always on the good guy side, you know. The big guy inside has always got my back you know, that's where it's supposed to be. Like I said, but I'm telling you, when you go into some place you can feel it, the oppression is 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 and you can cut it with a knife. Well, there's a location out there. I don't know if you can confirm it for me. I talked to a person that lived out there for a while and they lived out in an area and it's the location just outside of the city where they have all of the old 
signs that used to hang out, you know, the big neon signs. Yeah, the, the and they yard. said that they've yeah they they said that they've seen all kinds of crazy you know shadows and people walking around out there. Is have you heard that? Yeah, I've seen stuff like that even before the place was built. Before it was a neon boneyard, that's on top of where Cashman Field is. Cashman Field is like um, where the Las Vegas Stars is playing baseball minor league, but on top of it is the old Mormon fort, and, and back there they had like. Uh, if you ever, if you ever when you come here, you hear, you hear about Helen J. Stewart. I think uh, arguably the most important woman in the state of Nevada's history, uh, Helen Sinclair. She started the Variety School for Special Children here, but she's also the one that had, like I said, the old Mormon fort there. And there's people that were buried there and stuff like that. It's, you know, because a lot of Native Americans were killed off that area down there, too. Yes. You know, it's, and it's like, you could see these things there. And I remember going up there, and you could see things just before they even built it and closed it in. You see things out of there. There's people that lived in those apartments and houses behind there that move in and out quickly. And it's like, literally, I said people leave without taking their back of the stuff. And that's usually a sign if a person is done with nothing that they have to put all their money into a home, whatever the case is, and move the stuff in. And if they leave out the house without taking anything, that's usually a sign that something's going on, really. Like I said, I'm, I'm going to take my box, I'm going to take my clothes, like my, my baseball cards, whatever the case is. Whatever. You don't want to take what you bring in there. A lot of times, you see that like like the Amityville Horror. They didn't leave anything both of on their back. Yep. Or they carried it in a purse. Like I said, I'm not carrying a purse unless I'm going to a buffet so Buffet. The, the buffet order. purse is a real thing. It's it's a frequent frequent part of conversation in the mornings. Okay. Darn skippy, darn skippy. We all got to have one. I'll tell I'll tell you about it afterwards. Uh, well, well, I'm, I'm, I've been to Vegas, so. But you, you didn't so, bring a buffet purse. Next no. time you go, you'll have to get one. Well, we're just going to hold you there, Lamont, because we got to move on to the conversation. But I thank you for checking oh, in. Oh, okay, I'd like to say thank you guys, and and it's good to have you back. Are you guys going to be back live next week? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, next week, the week after, no, two weeks. Yeah, check the schedule. Let me look at the calendar. Next week we should be. The week after we should be, and then the week after that might be an issue because uh, we'll be we'll be traveling back. Uh, Stephanie and I and Scott will be traveling back from uh, Detroit, so I don't I don't know that we'll be back in time to be able to do the show. Yeah, and I got a conference on the nineteenth, so. And my birthday's the twelfth, so I, I don't. Maybe we could meet somewhere in between there, in between time and the meantime. Well, don't forget, we're having fun. that listen to meet and greet November 21st here in New Bedford, Lamoni. You got to get out here for that. Skeddy wants to meet maybe, you. Maybe. Oh, that would be nice. It would be nice to see you. I guess you're going to that eight mile extension, right? You're going to go up there? Is that what's going no, on? No, no, no. We're going, we're going to the Eloise Asylum. Oh, Eloise. Yeah, that sounds like a neat name, Eloise. But that's all right. I, I'm, I'm glad to finally, guys, to hear you back on the air where you belong, fella. It's like you know, being spooky and stuff just wasn't the same without you, man. Well, we appreciate that. <laughs> Thank appreciate you, Lamone. Player. You have a great night. God bless you guys, and I'm going to be listening for the rest of the night. All, All right. right. Thank you. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, by the way, Moniz, that's my nieces. I was showing you those photos. Yeah, I'm like, why did that look familiar? My sister-in-law posted the photo of my nieces in their Halloween costume. Uh, one is dressed as Sam from Trick or Treat, and the other, that, <laughs> the that lowest one <laughs> is is a a... a Perfect Chucky. Yeah. And they were, I remember they were trying to come up with everything for the costume and they were asking for my help when I was at Terracon. They had me looking for elements of the costume and um, I was able to get some advice from some cosplayers about how to do it, but they just nailed it. So it's, uh, it's really awesome. So you can check that out. I shared that on, on my Facebook, but so let's, let's get into the main crux of what our discussion will be tonight, which is 
I was talking about the the building next door to yeah, the coffee the, shop. Yeah. It's now a coffee shop. It had been a few different things. It had been a barber shop and a beauty salon for a number of years. Yeah. Uh, and it is probably, you know, it, for a lot of people that come there, you know it because it has like some some caricatures on the side, some some uh, mur- a mural, I should say, yeah. with like Marilyn Monroe and Einstein, Albert Einstein. And yeah. I think that's eventually going to, you know, I don't know if they're going to keep that wall or what, but they've got some ideas for expansion over there. But so a gentleman named Joe Pereira opened up a coffee shop in that building called Miss Lizzie's Coffee. And he's wanted to have a coffee shop that was Lizzie Borden themed in Fall River for a long time. I mean, he was, I've gone over to the coffee shop a few times and talked to them. I've had him on my show. And we were talking about how in the 70s, he was like obsessed with studying this case. And he knew that there was something, you know, that Fall River could do to, to, put a good spin on Lizzie Borden's name, considering what it had done to her uh, following the the murder trial. So he was thinking about doing this for a long time. When they announced that there was going to be the South Coast Rail was finally getting built, he had right. come up with the idea of putting the coffee shop in the train station. But as he was telling me, he started to realize that, yeah, I still want to do that. But at the same time, like, that's only going to limit how many people can go in there and can experience it. I want to also have a storefront somewhere that people can come in from all over and don't have to necessarily be riding the train or or parking at the train station to be able to visit. So he bought the building right next to the Lizzie Borden house and he opened up on the anniversary of the murders. He opened up Miss Lizzie's Coffee where you can get Lizzie Borden themed coffee drinks. And um, and other things. They have some baked goods and stuff like that. Snacks? They do. They have... Um, I had... Their malasadas are really good. Ooh. They're very big. Um, Ooh. But I've heard good things about some of their other stuff. I obviously, you know, I just have to stay away from that stuff these days. But <laughs> I'll make an exception for some of the stuff they have over there. But anyway, this coffee shop opened up. And within a few weeks, they were issued a cease and desist letter from the Lizzie Borden House. Because, the, as the Boyden House was saying, you are use, using our trademarks uh, in the operation of your business. That progressed to, and there's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that I've been told that I'm, I'm not going to share some of that stuff. But it, it, it was, there was never any discussion on the part of Miss Lizzie's Coffee of them changing the name of the coffee shop. They were, that's the name and that's what they're sticking with. And they will fight to keep that name if they have to. At one point, there was a press release that went out that said that the coffee shop had agreed to change its name. There was a story that was published. I think it was Fall River Reporter or maybe it was the Herald News, but one of them published a story where the coffee shop had agreed to change its name. This came from a press release that was put out by the press release company that handles things for U.S. Ghost Adventures, the owners of the Lizzie Borden House. And I reached out to Joe and you know said, yeah. Joe can I get a statement for a story about this? And he said, I've never, like, what are you talking about? What press release? Then that's fraud. Well, I sent it to him and he was like, I, I didn't agree to this. I had no idea this even existed. So this turned into By a whole thing. By definition, that's fraud. It turned into a whole thing. And they, you know, Joe said clearly, I am not changing the name. And so the U.S. Ghost Adventures, the company that owns the Lizzie Borden house, because I'm just going to keep repeating that because I don't want people to think that it's Ghost Adventures, the TV show. Um, maybe they want you to think that, but I'm trying to make it clear. And so U.S. Ghost Adventures then filed a lawsuit or a complaint about the violation of trademark for two of the trademarks that it owns. Now, they own a number of trademarks related to the Lizzie Borden house, uh, as well as related to their ghost tour business. But 
These are mostly trademarks that I believe were inherited from the previous owners. And one of them is for the name Lizzie Borden in operation of hotel and restaurant services. So one of the things that people have been complaining about since this whole story broke a few months ago is, you know, or what they've been saying and kind of erroneously is you can't trademark the name of a historical figure. Yes, you can. You absolutely can. You can't trademark the name of a living person without their permission, but you can trademark the name of a deceased person for certain business ventures. And so, you know, Matt, not, not the name unilaterally. No, but the, no trademark is given unilaterally either. Right. So otherwise, it would just get too. You yeah, know, that's like, what I'm saying. Lizzie Borden laundromat. You yeah. can't. You can't be. Yeah. You can't be McDonald's. Uh, you know, record shop, and then have the McDonald's restaurant say you can't call it McDonald's. Yeah. Because your name is McDonald's, you want to open up a record shop. So, uh, the the trademark specifically state. And so when this all went down. I, and then the other part of it is they say that because Miss Lizzie's Coffee uses a hatchet as its logo, that that's a trademark violation because they have a trademark on the use of a hatchet. So I'm not a lawyer. I'm not even close to playing one on the radio. So I go and I looked at the trademarks and the language in the trademarks to me looked very specific. It said use of the name Lizzie Borden for hotel and restaurant services. So, and, and, you know, a coffee shop would count as a restaurant, but it says Lizzie Borden. It doesn't say any variation thereof. And the trademark for the hatchet mentioned a very specific design for a hatchet. And I was thinking, there's no way you could, you could just trademark every hatchet as a, as a yeah. logo. Like, it, it, so it makes sense. There would be a very specific one. So I actually was able to, um, Meet virtually this past week a trademark attorney from Massachusetts and who was also somebody that's into the paranormal. And I said, you know, can you take a look at this and tell me what you think? And she, we, I was going to write a story based on her opinion of it. And she came back and told me, I don't think that the coffee shop has a chance here. Like she, she basically said, like, they've laid this out. And they've shown that there can be confusion in the marketplace, that the people would think that they also own that and they might go visit them thinking that they're giving more, you know, they're giving more business to the house. And so, and I was like, okay. And my heart kind of broke because, you know, I want the coffee shop to succeed. I don't agree with being able to, to muscle them out based on this. And also because I thought that my legal interpretation of it was, was right too. And so I'm like, oh man, I had it wrong. Well, as it turns out yesterday, the judge filed a, a decision in a request for an injunction by U.S. Ghost Adventures. They requested an injunction that would keep Miss Lizzie's Coffee from operating or utilizing that name to operate until this whole matter could be settled. And in the ju judge's decision, he basically laid out that they have not proven not only that they deserve the injunction, but they haven't even proven that they have a case against the trademark infringement. And so now... It's very doubtful the case goes forward because this is the same judge that would have been hearing that case. Yeah. So if they want to throw some money after this and, and, and have it turn out fruitless, they certainly can. That's their right. They have that ability and that right to do it. But the judge is basically saying, don't bother bringing this to my court because there's not enough here. And I have a story up at WBSM.com. And on the WBSM app where not only do I go through the judge's decision, but I also supply the original complaint. Uh, from U.S. Ghost Adventures that you can read in its entirety and the judge's decision that you can read in its entirety. But 
the the key points are that, and, and this kind of comes into some of the things that people have been saying about this case. And the judge said that, well, let me first tell you what the complaint claimed. The complaint claimed that the coffee shop was a willful and intentional attempt to trade on the goodwill and commercial success that U.S. Ghost Adventures has built up in the marks and their corollary registrations and an attempt to free ride on the plaintiff's success as a preeminent and well-known provider of hospitality services in Fall River. So basically they're trying to say like they only opened up next to us and use this name because they're trying to capitalize on what we've built and what we bought. The complaint filed on September 18th also alleges the infringement has, quote, has caused actual confusion with those seeking the services offered at the Lizzie Borden house. So in his decision, uh, Judge Leo T. Sorokin, or Sorokin, um, he said basically that this isn't proven enough to go forward with this. They they have a what they call the four-part test for injunctive relief. So when you are looking for injunctive relief in a case, they have four things kind of across the board that it has to meet the criteria of in order to be provided that injunction. And that would be that they would have to prove a likelihood of success on the merits of the case, a likelihood of irreparable harm if that other party can continue doing business as is, balance of equities and hardships, and public interest. And this doesn't even get past number one, according to Judge Sorokin. So he says that uh, the U.S. Coast Adventures failed. And what's interesting, too, is the judge refers to the company throughout the course of this decision, not as U.S. Ghost Adventures, which is its actual name, and which is on the complaint, but as Ghost Adventures. And that's causing a problem. No, there's no problem. But I'm I'm wondering if that isn't like the judge's own little like finger in the eye of saying like, here you are worrying about him saying you're using somebody else, they're using your trademark when you're using somebody else's name as your company name. So I don't know if that was the judge trying to, Unless you know, he's got an agreement with Zach. He does not. <laughs> so the no he does not no i'm just thinking i know how zach is i'm surprised he hasn't already you know there's poked him in the eye from 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 what i've heard there's been discussion but i don't i don't know anything more than that uh the judge stated that um they failed to demonstrate a likelihood of success of having miss lizzie's permanently forced to change its name because u.s ghost adventures must demonstrate that miss lizzie's used an imitation of its protected mark in commerce in a way that is likely to cause confusion or to cause mistake or to deceive and he's saying that they didn't do any of that he says that the hatchet that they use is not at all the hatchet trademarked by ghost adventures the former has a handle and the i'm not going to get into all the details but all the details are in the story all the differences between them and uh, he also says that U.S. Ghost Adventures holds a service mark on just the term Lizzie Borden for hotel and restaurant services. And he wrote, Ghost Adventures does not have a trademark on the term Lizzie. So this is, and in it, in this decision, he mentions multiple times that U.S. Ghost Adventures concedes that it does not own the Lizzie Borden story or history. So they're saying right out, we know that we don't own this, the history of it, but we... We think that we own this trademark that prevents us from, would prevent the coffee shop from operating. And as the judge gets more and more into it, first of all, he threw out the idea of customer confusion because he said that these examples that they supplied weren't good enough for that. And that just being, so he said just being a business capitalizing on a historical location 
in close proximity to that historic location doesn't, and any confusion that happens on a result of that doesn't mean that the business was trying to create that confusion for their benefit. So basically what he's saying is it's people's own fault that they're too dumb to figure out which one of these buildings is the coffee shop and which one of these buildings is the place where you can spend the night. Yeah. Here's a hint. You can't spend the night in the place that's only a little tiny room with a coffee machine. So, you know, I think most people can kind of figure that out. Uh, and all, and he said, you know, the same issues would have arose if Miss Lizzie's called its cafe 40 Wax Coffee and used a different image as its logo. So he said that, you know, that's not enough to prove that there's a reason they should have to stop business. But when I, one of the things that I found really interesting about this is, and he talked about how they offer different goods and services. So that kind of eliminates any of the confusion and any of the complaints. But I'm trying to find the exact uh, line that really kind of stood out to me. He says, even if assuming Ghost Adventures is correct in contending that the defendants intentionally opened a location in immediate proximity to its business and intentionally used the word Lizzie and Hatchet in their name and signage, given the historical significance of the location, neither these acts alone nor the acts considered in light of the entire record evidence and uh, of the entire record evidence and intent by the defendants to adopt Ghost Adventures trademark. So he's basically saying that just because they wanted to be a Lizzie Borden-related business near the Lizzie Borden house doesn't mean they're trying to steal the Lizzie Borden house business. And that's really, like, what the crux of this is. There's a, a good part in here that if I could find it. Ah, here it is. In the decision, Judge Sorokin noted that U.S. Ghost Adventures, quote, contends that it does not claim a monopoly on the story of Lizzie Borden or its non-trademarked use. It merely seeks to protect the recognition and goodwill established in its registered trademarks from confusingly similar uses. That's not actually the line that I was looking for. Um, I'll have to dig it. Maybe I can find it during the news. But basically, there is a line where it says that... You know, nobody can own the history from this. That 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 what U.S. what uh, Miss Lizzie's Coffee did is they opened a business based on the historical story of Lizzie Borden, not based on the Lizzie Borden house. Right. And that's what the real crux of this is. That's the real difference here in why it was found in favor of Miss Lizzie's Coffee because they are capitalizing. Yes. On the Lizzie Borden story, not on the Lizzie Borden house. So it doesn't matter where it is if that's the case. It doesn't matter. It could be, you know, on the other side of town. It could be right next door. And I found that to be kind of a very key consideration that I don't think a lot of people were looking at because they were so blinded by the fact that they were next door. Now, there have been some arguments about whether the ghosts of the children are now in the coffee shop or if they're still in the Lizzie Borden house. And I will just, I'll say this. We never had any proof that the ghosts that were in the Lizzie Borden house were those children. We knew of the story. Yep. We knew of things that would happen in the house. We knew that if you left the toy chest open, toys would be strewn about on the floor Personally can verify that. But we have never had anything that would actually verify that those ghosts were children. I mean, you can say, you know, psychics yep. and mediums said that they encountered and, them. And the various EVPs of children there, but yeah. But that doesn't mean that it was actually no, children that made them. I'm with you. So there's no guarantee that, that, that they were there. And also, there's no 
nothing that says that because ghosts are in one location, they can't be in another either. I mean, there were still plenty of people that were interacting with the supposed spirit of Lizzie Borden in the Second Street house where the murders happened, while people were also investigating at the very same time at Maplecroft, claiming that they were encountering Lizzie Borden there. Yeah. So if that's true, if they w- if it was Lizzie Borden and she was in two places at once, guess what? Ghosts can just be in two places at once, I guess. So it can be in the coffee shop and it can be in the house at the same time. But the bottom line is the coffee shop will continue. I think that this will probably go nowhere. We'll talk some more about some other developments on that when we come back from the news because we are going to be taking a news break. What about Ira's band there, Lizzie Borden? That's... That would predate that because there was yeah. no, they didn't have the trademark when that band came about. Yeah. That band came out in the 80s. Yeah. So, like, that, the trademark itself wasn't filed until Donald and Leanne had to file it when yeah. that Lizzie Borden Museum opened up in Salem. Yeah. So that's when, that's when all of this kind of started. But the, um, and then the other thing is, you know, the, there was um, questions about, well, there's Lizzie's Liquors on the Westport Fall River Line. And well, not quite on the line, but it's a, it's a, on the Westport Dartmouth line rather. Yeah. And so people were like, well, you know, won't won't he try to go after them for calling it Lizzie's Liquors? And well, you can try, but <laughs> I know the person that owns that. Her name is Lizzie. Yeah. So good luck trying to say that it's you know capitalizing on the Lizzie Boyden story when that's actually her name. And uh, so there's there's a, a lot of armchair lawyers that got involved in this, but in the end, the ultimate decision lay in the hands of the judge. And he found in favor of Miss Lizzie's coffee. So we can talk more about that. We can take your phone calls, 508-996-0500. You can send your app chat messages on the WBSM app. And we will uh, we'll play those when we come back. We'll read those when we come back as well. But right now, we do have to take a break for the news. We'll be back in just a few moments with more Spooky South Coast on WBSM. South Coast, Tim Weisberg here, along with science advisor Matt Moniz. We are talking about the paranormal as we are back to doing on Saturday nights here on WBSM. Moniz, I should tell you, because we had conversations about the future of Spooky South Coast without including you. Oh. It's oh. just something that came up on the air last week. But we had talked about maybe um, maybe doing some pre-recorded shows so that we don't have to be here every Saturday night, but that we could still have the shows. So, might be something that we consider somewhere down the line. Okay. But... Oh, we also had talked about moving the show to an earlier time, and then I looked at the schedule, and there's there's no way we can do that, at least anywhere in the near future. So might be something we can visit after football season is over. Um, but, you know, basically just trying to find a way to make it more convenient because I don't know about you, man, but I'm exhausted right now. I'm <laughs> yeah, tired. this month has been, yeah. In general, like, Saturday, that's, that's why we had such a hiatus, because Saturday nights at 10 o'clock, 
I was asleep most most weeks because I'm getting up at 4 a.m. every day and just uh, and and as you know, the body gets used to it. And so now this morning, I woke up at 4:30 in the morning, <laughs> got up, had to use the bathroom. I went back to sleep, but you know, it's just you you kind of train yourself. So we were talking in the first hour about the and by the way, uh, Cooper in North Attleboro had sent in an app chat message on the WBSM app, which you can do. You can send us text messages during the show on the WBSM app at any time, as long as you just select the spooky South Coast option to who to send it to. But he says, have you ever done an episode that discussed your experience in the paranormal field in contrast with organized religion? How ghosts, aliens, cryptids, etc., fit in with or don't fit in with common religious beliefs such as heaven and hell, etc. These type of discussions are very interesting to me. And we've, we've approached that from a variety of perspectives yeah. over the years. Of course, we did... Way back in the first year, I think, or so of, of Spooky, back when half of you people weren't even born yet, we did that episode of uh, Angels and Demons, yeah. where we looked at, we had the angelologist for TAPS, Renee yep. Smith, and the demonologist for TAPS, Keith Johnson, and we had them on to talk about the differences and the similarities, and we talked about how a lot of that relates to the paranormal. Uh, we've done many episodes where we've looked at how religion influences the paranormal, and then we also did an episode where we looked at the paranormal as a religion with Ken DaCosta, where there yeah. are people who have kind of turned there, there's dogma associated now with the paranormal. And there are people who this has become what their belief is in a greater power. So we, we examine that as well. Those are just some of the episodes that we've done, but um, certainly something that will come up in again in future discussions. Uh, and then Mason in New Orleans says, listen to the morning show the other day. Ernie Adams is the father of movie director Paul Thomas Andrews. I'm sorry, it's Ernie Anderson. Ernie Adams, uh, Mason, was the, the guy that helped with the quarterbacks for the Patriots. But I think he meant to put Anderson. And he says, uh, Ernie Anderson is the father of movie director Paul Thomas Anderson. His production company is called Gullardi Film Company. Yes. P.T. Anderson, the film director, is the son of Ernie Anderson, who played Gullardi, the horror host from Cleveland in the yeah. late 1960s and who was the voice of ABC in the 80s. So when, you know, you'd be watching tonight on the ABC movie of the week, a little girl is captured by ghosts in Poltergeist. Like, that was Ernie Anderson. I can't do an impression of yeah. his voice. I know who you mean, though. But, uh, yeah, the, probably my favorite of the horror hosts. Of course, Penny Dreadful is yeah. my favorite, but out of the old school horror hosts. Uh, but I was talking about horror hosts on my morning show because... Like Spanguli Some Yeah, sometimes we talk about things like that. We were talking about horror movies. Uh, we were talking about like what horror movies people like. And we'll probably talk some more about that stuff coming up on Monday and Tuesday because I can get away with it for a couple of days where we don't have to talk about local news and politics and we can talk about some, some spooky stuff because it's that time of year. Uh, but yes, you can, uh, you can send in those app chat messages. Going back to the discussion about the Lizzie Borden house and what happened with Miss Lizzie's coffee and all of that. And again, you can read the complete story at WBSM.com and on the app. So another development that happened, and I'm not sure, Moniz, if you had heard about this, but the company U.S. Ghost Adventures that owns the Lizzie Borden house, they made the announcement. Well, they put up on Facebook, which, by the way, I'm now blocked from. I know. You're blocked from Facebook? Blocked from the Lizzie Borden house page. Oh, they're so okay. childish. But uh, apparently, yeah, they showed you. Uh, yeah, they really did. Yeah, it'd be a shame if I had like dozens of other Facebook accounts I could look at their page on. But the um, the reason why I got blocked was because uh, Frank Race and I called them out for once again utilizing one of Frank's photos without his permission after they'd already he'd already complained to them about this previously. That's copyright. 
exactly what they were accusing people of doing before. So uh, I won't even get into the Herald News story that came out a few weeks ago where there were numerous ghost tour companies from around the country that talked about how U.S. Ghost Adventures has come in and outright copied what they do, uh, come up with names that are similar to theirs to try to create market confusion. You know, all the things that they are uh, complaining that uh, Miss Lizzie's Coffee did to them, these other tours were saying they, that U.S. Ghost Adventures has done to them. So I, again, I can only tell you what I read in the story. And you can read that for yourself on the heraldnews.com website. But the the post went up on their Facebook page with Frank's photo. And it was actually an edit that I had made for a story that we did. When the Lizzie Borden house went up for sale or when, when U.S. Coast Adventures bought it, I forget which story it was. But I took Frank's photo with his permission because I have permission to use Frank's photos. And I put... A Lizzie Borden photo in front of it. Like, you know, I can make these collages in Canva. I'm not... Yeah, I got you. I'm, I'm no Photoshop expert, but I can do things in Canva because they make it super easy. And that's how I make images for the stories. So I did that. And this is the second time they've taken that image and they've used it for promotion. And the first time Frank told them, hey, take that down or pay me for it. And they were like, what are you talking about? What photo? And so this time he complained about it again. And then I posted something on Facebook about it and... Somehow we both got blocked um, right after that. So whatever, you know, fine. But they did have on their Facebook page that they were going to be making a big announcement about a new place that they had acquired. And they'd already put out a press release because if you put out a press release, there's a press release newswire thing that puts it out to all the internet sites. And so I saw the press release days before they were saying, we're going to make this big announcement tomorrow night. And so everybody like knew what it was. And so uh, they have entered into an agreement to purchase the Villisca Axe Murder House in Villisca, Iowa. Iowa. Yeah. So unlike the Borden House, where that was two adults that were murdered, uh, in Villisca, it was eight people, six of whom were children. children. Yeah. So last week we were supposed to have Johnny Hauser on who does the paranormal things. He runs things over at the Velisca Axe Murder House. He's going to be staying on uh, for U.S. Ghost Adventures. I had expressed concern about what was going to be going on there. And Johnny commented on the Facebook post and said, you know, don't worry about it. Like, I'm going to be there making sure things stay the same. He was going to join us last week to talk about, like, what changes people can expect and, and you know, what, what he's going to make sure stays the same. Um, but he had given a couple of tours that day and his voice was shot. So he said that we can reschedule. So I'm, I'm hoping that he'll be able to do that at some point in the future. But they put out an announcement on Facebook about this purchase by having three of their staff members dressed up and acting, overacting with, oh, we've got a great announcement. And I was like, we're talking about dead children here. And I know, listen, you can say that we exploit these tragedies just to talk about them here on the show. You can say that we exploit these tragedies when we're talking about them out in presentations or running paranormal events. But I don't know. It's not our marketing. Like, we don't, yeah. we don't market it that way it's just something that's going to come up as we are talking about these histories it's going to be something that comes up as what it's, it is that we well, it's do the back line to the story and, and usually for us yes and it's a little bit different than you know celebrating that you just purchased the house where eight people were murdered it's it just feels icky 
but maybe you feel differently. 508-996-0500. Let's take a call here. Good morning. You're on... W- oh, geez, I'm going to just keep doing that. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. Good morning. You got me saying it. I know. Good, e- good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. You're up. You're up late tonight. Yeah. Anyways, I know I can't sleep when it's a full moon. It's too much energy. It pulls on my the water in your brain, you know. No, I, I get it. Did you see the moon rise tonight? I didn't see it rise. I saw it when I uh, when I left the house to come here. I looked up in the sky and was like, "Whoa, that's that's really big and bright tonight." The hunter's oh, moon. Oh yeah, you you should have saw it rise, and it was unbelievable, beautiful, right? Just just coming up. It's so big, huh? I gotta go out and see it again. Well, anyway, I, I I hope that it doesn't uh, doesn't pull you into any uh, any crazy things. I hope uh, you don't go out there and cause any trouble. No, I'm just going to look at it from out in my yard and come back in. I just want to see it one more time. Anyway, um, could you tell me, could you talk some, about something about that um, Bridgewater Triangle? I never heard about it. You you, you, you don't know about really? the Bridgewater Triangle? No, I never yeah. heard about well, it. Well, first, I'm going to ask you, Shawnee, do you have, do you have YouTube? Do, do you have access to YouTube? Yeah, but I don't, I'm... You know I'm not going to look at that right now. Well, no, not right now. But what what I'll do is I'll send you a link for the documentary film so that when you have a chance and you want to sit down and watch it, you can you can watch the documentary because it's really good and it's free on YouTube now. So you, you'll get a chance to see it. But basically the idea is that it started off in the 1970s. Uh, a man named Lauren Coleman was investigating all these strange reports that were coming out of the Bridgewater area. And he realized that, Bridgewater, West Bridgewater, and East Bridgewater made a natural triangle. And at the time, the Bermuda Triangle was popular because a book had just come out and a TV movie had just come out. So he called this area the Bridgewater Triangle. And he wrote about it in his 1983 book, Mysterious America. And nobody really caught on to it much. Like, it didn't become a big thing until in the early 2000s when there were two gentlemen, Chris Balzano and Chris Pittman, that were each running different websites dedicated to the idea of the Bridgewater Triangle. And then Aaron Cadju, a filmmaker from Dartmouth, made for his student film a movie called Inside the Bridgewater Triangle. And that's when it started to really kind of catch fire. That's when we started bringing them in to talk about it on, on Spooky South Coast in our very early days. But basically what it is, is it's an area where there's a high concentration of all different types of paranormal phenomena. So you get everything from ghost sightings to UFO sightings to actual alien encounters and abductions. You have weird creatures like Bigfoot or giant snakes that don't exist in this area usually or the Thunderbirds that the Native Americans would talk about. Puckwudgies. The Puckwudgie creatures that are supposedly these, um, these, they, they were trickster type beings, but then they turn into something far more evil. I mean, there's all this different weird stuff that happens, and then you bring in all the true crime aspect, everything that happened in the Freetown State Forest, for example, the fact that we have a higher number of, of uh, criminally insane people in this area than we have in other parts of the state, that we have more murders per capita, that we have more, um, we had more mental illness facilities. I mean, there's a lot of things that come into play for this that shows that there's something to the idea that there is this you left out cults. Like a Paul. Well, that's because I don't want them coming after me. Oh. But you know, Shawnee, and all the stuff that happened in the Freetown State Forest with the cult activity and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. And so the idea is that there's some sort of like just dark shadow on this area that is caused by this Bridgewater Triangle. And maybe 
you know, maybe there is a root cause for it. Some people look at King Philip's war and say that that might be what caused it. But other people look at that, and I'm one of them who says maybe King Philip's war was just a symptom of it. I think this is something that's just always been here. And now that we're talking about it more and paying attention to it more, we're just starting to realize exactly how big and how much power it has. Well, look at what the Wampanoags called the area, Huckamuck, meaning place where spirits dwell. And that was and long before any settlers came here. And now it's a it's it's a place where, you know, we live right alongside these legends every day. You know, these stories that people told that were kind of in the past, they're all back in the present. And we we are we have people that are experiencing them all the time. So it's not it's not just a historical thing anymore. It's something that we live with every day. Interesting. Okay. I'll be listening. All right. Well it was great talking to you and I will talk to you next week. Oh yeah. All Thank right. you. Good night. Good night. And uh, Shawnee is a regular caller in the mornings, too. So uh, let's go back to the phones here. Good evening. You were on Spooky South Coast. I got it right that time. I forgot to tell you guys something. Matthew Perry just died today. Yes, yes we, we heard know. that, yeah. yeah I was, I was, was going to tell you, but I was so excited to talk to our Matt. You know, <laughs> I was like, I was like, I was totally forgot about him. I was like, oh, what a bastard I am. I said that, but, I, but I'm not a bastard. But I said that to myself, I love Okay, so I wanted to share that with you guys. Well, we appreciate uh, it. Thank you. Okay, did you guys see that movie, uh, the, the Killing of the Flower, of Flower Moon? Yet? Mm, not it? yet. No, I haven't had any time to, to watch any movies. I started trying to watch Five Nights at Freddy's the other night and fell asleep. Yeah, well, that's you know, ever since Freddy got fingered, it's been all downhill for Freddy. You know, that's, like you know, that, that, that was watch, that was watch. that was not a great movie. No. Okay, so that's it. But I still, here. to this day, I can't have sausage without saying, "Daddy, would you like some sausage?" Daddy, would you like some sausages? Daddy, would you like some sausage? And, he, and just think, he was married to he was married to uh, Drew Barrymore. Barrymore. Yeah, and it's like you think, all right, like what about that's like also like um, Russell Brandt was married to uh, Katy Perry. Yeah, and you know, and it's like, why did he divorce her? There's hope. There's hope for us, goofy guys. Yet, Lamone, you and well, I, I we've we've got we've got hope. Well, I told you, I told you back way back uh, a couple years back. But why? Uh, how she was trying to buy the La Feliz uh, Minus uh, convent that they had there in California, and and the two nuns, the last remaining uh, sisters there, they owned the owned the uh, the convent there, and they were the uh, L.A. L.A. was trying to force them to sell the sell it to her, to Katy Perry, and so the two the two nuns were in court, and one nun died in court, dropped dead in court, and so it's like so they forced the other one, they forced her to sell it. So what she did, she went and had, you know, had her babies there uh, up in the, in the convent right there. And she's uh, uh, admitted, uh, admitted uh, devil worship. She said she sold her soul to the devil. Hmm. Here's what she's at. Right. And I've got, yeah. I got, I got actual clips where she was talking about it on my, on my, on my channel, uh, Constipated in City on the YouTube channel. And if you go to where like scary or something like that, you'll see like got two videos where they have, where she's talking about it. And, and boldly says, I sold my soul to the devil. Like I said, you know, if you did it, I was like, if you do something like that, be proud of what you're doing. If that's what you're going to do, you did, do what you do. You know, if you do something, don't do something you, you're not, you, you're, you're ashamed of. Right. Like, I'm too, life's too short to be doing. Unless you're Absolutely. I'm, I'm going to just hold you there for the moment. we got another call coming oh. in, but thank you. Oh, okay. And I, 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 you have I, a good night. I was, I was on one right there. You shouldn't stop. I know, right I know, there. but I, I got I to gotta hold you there. I got to hold you there. All right, I'm going to let him go. Uh, by the way, we've also nicknamed on the morning show, we've nicknamed him uh, Lamone Stradamus for his uh -huh. uh, ability to make predictions. So, and he did call us. There was a day. So, does that mean he's going to die standing up? No, I don't think so. Okay. 
But there was, because uh, as he says, he's constipated in Sin City. That's He's going to go out like Elvis. But uh, there was... Face down with his butt up on the toilet. There I told was, you uh, I've seen that actual crime scene photo, right? No, no, but I don't need the details. Yeah, let me, I let didn't me, need to see Let me think either. of the king the way I want to remember him. But uh, the other day he called, a couple of weeks ago he called. Uh, he was apparently in the bathroom of Lady Gaga's hotel suite during her Vegas residency. He had gone back to the room with her for the night and he snuck off into the bathroom to call into the show. And she was like banging on the door on the outside, like asking when he was going to come back out. And he was like, I'll be right with you. And he actually left. Supposedly, this is what yeah. he says. So anyway, let's move on. 508-996-0500. Good evening. You were on Spooky South Coast. Hello. Hi. How are you today? Good. How are you doing? Great. Great. Good show. Thank you. Hey, uh, I was listening to something on the news just last week, and they said that they solved the murder down in Florida from a woman 40 years ago with new technology, and she happened to be from Gloucester, and her name happened to be Mary Lou. They said that her husband was related to high-crime figures. I was wondering, when I was younger and I lived in New Bedford, I had, I don't, I hate to bring it up, but... There was a girl that went missing, and she was in found in the Freetown State Mary Forest. Lou Aruda. Mm-hmm. You know the story. Eh? Oh, yes. Yep. Yes, that was somebody I know's girlfriend. I can remember him searching for her, and I don't know if they've ever solved that, and I heard she yes. would have happened. Well, they did well, solve it or no. somebody, somebody They the, convicted James Cater of it, yeah. but he always, uh, he always held that he didn't do it, and he actually died a few years ago in prison. But oh, uh, th- and there are people who think that it wasn't him that did it, but mm. he's the one that was convicted of it. Yeah, I heard she was tied to the tree and all that. That was my a yes. friend of mine, and like, decapitated his girlfriend, and yes. and I re- I remember him looking for her through the night, and it's a terrible thing. Yeah, I don't know if there was a cult or something there, and I heard you say you didn't even want to say it because you didn't want them targeting you. I wouldn't even want to say my name if there was one. Yeah, I mean, there. So, from the way it's been described to me, of course, there was cult activity. There still is cult activity to this day. We've had Alan Alves on, who yeah. was the the cult cop in Freetown, and you know, I said, you know, do we have to worry about the people that you know the, talking about the Carl Drews, the Robin Murphys, the people that? And he's like, no, they're not the people you got to worry about. It's the people whose names you'll never know. The people that are higher up in positions of power, and that's how high it goes up, at least according to Alan. So I've always just been careful not to. Not to go too deep into that, but also, mm-hmm. you know, at least in terms of the Mary, Mary Lou Arruda case, there's nobody really feels, I mean, I've talked to Alan about it. They don't really feel like there was any cult activity based on that. It was just, you know, one sick person. Um, but the heartbreaking thing was I talked to, if I have this correct, and I might be misremembering, mis- but I believe I had somebody call in that was one of the people that found her. Well, I've been to the site, the actual site where they recovered her. It's not like you just stumble across this. You have to walk into the I, woods. I want to say it was they were out taking a walk and they found... I, I wish I could remember the details. If Aaron Cadge is listening, he might remember because I'm pretty sure I had him on that day to talk about it. And I think it was when Cater died that we were we were discussing it. But it was just... It, it's just I another... I thought it was a couple of hunters that found her. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, for some reason, kids scouting. with bicycles is sticking out in my head. Okay. But I, I don't know. I'd have to go back and listen. I know I have the interview uh, on a podcast, but uh, it just shows, Caller, that there's a lot of weird and bad stuff that happened out in that Freetown State Forest and, and still happens to this day. To this day, yes. And there's also, I remember here on County Street, 
right across from the Volk, there's a house there. And I just came back into the area, and I see the house, and it's it, it, it's it's got three or four rooms that are there. But there's unsolved mysteries that so many that are unsolved that I thinking of that, and I didn't know she was a Mary Lou, God rest her soap, whatever happened with her there is terrible. But all that you hear of, of the unsolved ones, that means there's one dead, but still one never caught. So that means they're loose. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about all mind. the, think about the highway murders and the fact that exactly you know, nobody's that ever, nobody's ever been convicted of that. So yeah. Yeah. Gentlemen, God bless you. Happy Halloween and keep up the fight. Thank, Thank you. You as well. You. Take care. Okay. And if you want to call in 508-996-0500, you can also send in app chat messages on the WBSM app. And you also can take a look at some of the cases that have been solved in recent years and say, there's hope. There's hope that some of these cases can have a resolution. Uh, if you look at the book, The Ghost by Maureen Boyle, who also wrote the book um, about the highway murders, the... In The Ghost, it tells the story of the police chief that was killed in Saxonburg, Pennsylvania, right? I think I have that right. And the guy who killed him went on the run, came back home to the New Bedford-Dartmouth area, lived in Dartmouth for years without anybody knowing that he was there, and then they found him by digging up the yard. They found his remains. Hmm. You know, they, they got a tip that he had been living in a secret room in the basement, which, you know, they portrayed as if he had been in that room the whole time, but he wasn't. He just lived a regular life. But if the police came knocking, he would go hide in this secret room. And when he died, his wife buried him in the backyard. And so they went and they dug it up and they found him and they had some resolution to that case. Uh, They also had the case of the woman that was murdered in Provincetown, the Lady of the Dunes, who they didn't know that they would ever be able to find who she was and what might have happened to her. And now it's no longer a cold case. It's, it's been officially marked as solved because not only were they able to identify her, but a few months later they figured out it was her husband that had killed her. So there's hope yet that some of these cases can be, can reach a resolution. I just don't know that the highway murders will ever be solved. And when Aaron gets the documentary out, of course, we'll, we'll focus on that a little bit more, but uh, it's, it's, they've been working on it for years and they mm-hmm. they've been retooling it because every time that they every time they get closer to having it finished there's something else that they want to do to be able to tell this story as best as they can and to to make sure that they're paying justice to the to the victims of this well i have my own connection to the, to the cases cuz one of the uh, back in the 80s when this was happening my parents owned a delivery business in new bedford and the body of one of the girls from uh, Weld Square was found uh, at one of our drivers at the end of his driveway, basically. You know, and then uh, you know how the apartment complexes have, you know, stairway things that are on the side of the building. They found basically her body at the end of one of his at, at his driveway stuff, and he had to talk with the police. And no, that was one of the highway victims. Then they were all found on the highway. Well, they were. They were all the ones found on. It was just high, an, another murder of a prostitute, right? That were all happening at at the same time, and this is what what they were trying to do is find out, 
you know, they knew that this woman was a prostitute from Wild Square. So we're like well, and, a vast majority of the other ones found on the highway. No, so. that's, that's actually a little bit of a mis, 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 um, I identification. I know, but I mean, that's kind of become the way that, because that's how it got portrayed right. in the 80s when it was yeah. on the news. Yeah. And, you know, the woman, the women that were there certainly had their issues. Yeah. Um, and substance abuse was a big part of them. Yep. But I, I think that's part of what this documentary is going to do. Now, I've been able to see, like, rough cuts of it. So I've seen, like, the way that they're putting it all together. And that's the most important thing it's going to do. Um, besides, you know, hopefully maybe pointing in the right direction of, of somebody. But it also says, you know, and they've said this in the trailer, that it's about telling the victim stories and making them into the, you know, sharing the story of the real people that they were yeah. instead of just these characters that they were portrayed as in the news coverage and in the media. And you get to hear from the families and you get to hear from the people that knew them and realize like, yeah, they were. And I think I think that we look at folks that are going through those kind of issues differently now in 2023 than we did back in you know the late 1980s, where we had a there was a very big stigma to people who were addicts and people who might have had to have turned to to prostitution to to pay their bills and to, to supply for their families. So I think it's a matter of, you know, now looking at it through that different lens, people become a lot more sympathetic for those victims when listen, I you know I was only like a 10 or 11 year old kid back then. But even I knew then that people didn't have the appropriate amount of sympathy for who these victims were. There were people that were still saying, well, good, they got what they deserved. Well, my parents and I also had to talk to the police because obviously my driver there had, you know, where do you work? What do you do? And then they started talking to us. Uh, I remember talking to the police because part of my delivery route delivering office supplies was right down there in Weld Square and in that area. So there is like, do you... Do you, have you seen this person? Have you seen that person? You know, they're showing me pictures of this and that. And, you know, so yeah, they, not to say that the police weren't really investigating. They, no, were, no, they, they, were, were. they were looking into and, it. And if you read Maureen's book, she, she really tells, because she was the crime reporter for the Standard Times at the time. So she was, you know, talking a lot with the law enforcement involved. And she does a great job of portraying just how much that it weighed on them. But they were, they were just, they couldn't get that break that they needed. Yep. Uh, let's take this call here. 508-996-0500. Good morning. You're next. That's all right. I deserve that for saying good morning again. I deserved it. Uh, so, again, 508-996-0500. I'm looking outside. It is dark out. That means it is nighttime. Yep. That means I should say good evening, not good morning, but it's a hard habit to break. All right, let's try this again. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. Hello. There we go. How's it going, guys? It's been a while. It's been yeah. a while, yeah, but uh, that's all right. You've been keeping busy, too. Well, yeah, to say the least. Living, I guess, the rock star lifestyle, as <laughs> you would say. <laughs> um, I, I was actually was kind of wondering when um, the you know U.S. or American Ghost Adventures is going to put out a calendar of Frank Grace's uh, photos. <laughs> They're going to call it the... Uh... Not the haunted New England calendar. They have to come up with a different name. That's a slight variation thereof. The ghostly New England calendar. I, I it's it's such hypocrisy. You know, they're they're. I mean, I'm glad that the courts ruled in the in the coffee shops in favor. Coffee shops flavor. Yeah, the flavor <laughs> favor. You know, I mean, it would just be like if I opened up a. Um, you know, it'd be a different story if I opened up a coffee shop that was named like Missy uh, Mary Lou's Coffee or something like that, but. I think it's pretty blatant that um, <clears throat> they were out of line with the whole thing. 
Well, and, and you know, I think people look too at the name U.S. Ghost Adventures and they say, well, they're doing the same thing. They're, they're just taking from Ghost Adventures, the TV show, and borrowing from that. But there was a very interesting note in the Herald News article that ran a few weeks ago about how there are tours that are saying that, you know, that U.S. Ghost Adventures has copied what it is that they do. And in that story, they actually... There's a company that I guess Lance talked to before he launched U.S. Ghost Adventures and was kind of looking to partner with them on and then decided not to partner with them. And that company was called American Ghost Adventures. So that company thinks that he actually took his name, U.S. Ghost Adventures, as a, a variation of their name. So, you know, everybody thought it was a TV show, but it turns out it might have been an even more blatant ripoff of another tour company, allegedly. That doesn't surprise me whatsoever. You know, I mean, I... It, it just doesn't surprise me. But, you know, and, and at least I will say, though, and I know we're a week away from the last show, but Stephanie and Porter's new show was very good about using spirits and ghosts, and there was a lot of tastefulness around that and just the show in general. You know, but I guess it's just there's a lot of copycats out there. But I guess if you think about it, you have a business model that works. Somebody's going to copy it and try to make money off it. And they're making money regardless. It, it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, their tours are full. Uh, you know, they have people staying in the house, so it's it's working for them. I mean, I think that they've they've lost the respect of the paranormal community here. The people that you know would keep that place going in December and January and February when they didn't have people staying there. But so far, you know, they don't have to worry about that issue. This is true. I mean, I guess we have to focus more on the old house. Right. And, uh, There's what a we have and, you know, the free attractions of the Bridgewater Triangle. There's lots of great. places out there still waiting for us to, to get out there and explore them, too. Definitely. Definitely. I um, One place I wish we could uh, start getting something again going would be the Houghton Mansion. That was such a great experience oh, going to that location. And it's just sitting there. I mean, the, the people that bought it are just letting it sit. So I did... Um, I appeared on Amy Bruni's podcast, Haunted Road, on an episode about the Houghton Mansion. And I think that kind of sparked some interest in people wanting to get in there again. So maybe the people that bought it will think we could use this as some sort of revenue source while we're waiting to do all the things that we plan on doing here. But so far, it's been radio silence from anybody that's reached out to them and, and pitched trying to get back in there. So, Oh, that's too bad. I guess they'll just have to start having experiences on their own and maybe realize that there's some sort of significance to having a community involved in it. Yeah, I mean, if you want to open it up for, you know, art shows and all the kind of things that I guess they're planning for it, nobody will show up, you know, more to help support you for that than the paranormal community. So you'd have a guarantee. I mean, I guess maybe they're thinking, hey, the people that want to come in here for the ghosts are going to come in here anyway. And But, you know, you would have a lot of support from people. Uh, imagine doing that. Imagine having a Frank Race art show. At the Houghton Mansion, and tell me you wouldn't get everybody to not only come out for that, but then to stay for a couple of hours of ghost hunting afterwards. It'd be a huge success. Right, right. and 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 that has. I, I'm not generalizing, but I would imagine that that's kind of a subcultural uh, part of Massachusetts. What that the art subculture art, or the art yeah. and paranormal art art paranormal the whole kind of gamut. Yeah, of it. I would agree. So yeah, yeah. There's a large. Uh, art community out, out there and from North Adams all the way down to Shetfield, that whole corridor along the New York border. I know Shetfield has a large art community and that's like, what, 40 minutes from from there? 
I don't know. I have no idea. I trust you. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a very interesting part of the state, and yeah. sometimes it makes a good uh, day trip or overnight trip. And I know there's certainly a lot of like cool little local restaurants and whatnot out there. Why not have something that helps the community and the economy out there? Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. So, wow, I'm just sorry. With not to get on a side note, we were just watching an old episode of Miami Vice and. Lawrence Fishburne's in it. It was just kind of odd seeing <laughs> Cowboy Curtis without his uh, his um, famous hairdo from that time frame. Everybody calls him Morpheus. He'll always be Cowboy Curtis to us. Okay. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And also that professor in higher learning. That was one of my favorite roles of his, too. Oh, yeah. Yes. That was a great and, movie. And, I mean, this episode is packed with uh, stars. And Ron Perlman even makes an appearance in it. <clears throat> yeah. So, all right. Well... Oh, thank you for uh, having you guys on again tonight. It was nice uh, hearing everything. Well, thank you for calling in. You take care. No problem. Yeah. All right, uh, and uh, 508-996-0500 if you want to call in. Uh, Mark, the Paranormal Pirate, says it was two guys on dirt bikes, bikes. that found yeah. Mary Lou Ruta. So, it, And it's like, I think it was two hunters found the shack. I think that's, that what, sounds right. Yeah. The... Um, the other thing, too, if you, you know, I'm talking about how you can see the documentary on uh, on YouTube if you if you want to see it and you haven't seen it. I believe it's still on Amazon Prime, too. But if you want to buy a copy of it, you can always go to the BridgewaterTriangleDocumentary.com. They still sell the DVDs and everything there, too, if you want to have the actual physical media of it. But, again, it's worth checking out. You're looking for something spooky and creepy to watch heading into Halloween? Just load up the Bridgewater Triangle documentary on YouTube, and uh, you can see a couple of clowns that you might be listening to right now <laughs> in that documentary. So if you, uh, again, you can also chime in via the app chat if that works better for you as well. But looking back, and we'll do like a paranormal year in review episode as we get closer to the end of the year, and we really have to because we missed a lot of this year. So there's a lot of stuff to go back and, and to cover. But one of the things that, you know, we've talked about and one of the real last episodes that we did before we took our long hiatus was I had a special episode that I did uh, with Stephanie and with some of our friends on women in the paranormal and kind of the way that things are being perceived. And there has been a bit of a paradigm shift in the way that some of the younger generation is being brought into the paranormal community. You know, we had talked about there being begrudging on the part of some of us old curmudgeonly bastards, <laughs> but the need to welcome in more of the content creators, the younger people who are doing a lot of this stuff. And I certainly applaud everybody that's that's trying to do it. It is a thing that people are jumping on because it's popular. They're jumping on because it's good and I don't want, I, I'm going to say easy content, but I want people to understand that I don't mean that I'm saying that what you're doing is at all easy. I know that you're putting in work into it, but it's easy content in the sense that it's out there. There's, there's content out there. There's stuff to find. There's stuff to be able to make videos about and write about and talk about. So we're seeing more of that pop up, but we're also, I, I, I just kept saying to myself, and Moniz is the, the old head here. He's the gray beard. He's the guy that's been doing this for a long time. So he's seen it, and he knew that it was coming, too. He warned us about it back when people were flying in the para-unity flag. Yep. It's not, not going to last. You can say it, but it ain't going to happen. And now I've noticed that the content creators are starting to turn on each other. Yeah. And, you know, that now there's there's jealousy. There's arguments. 
for and and the other thing too is and again I'm going to sound like the grumpy old guy here but there's a lot of people who have been in this for like 2 years that are suddenly like offering all kinds of expert advice like they've seen it all <laughs> like you haven't seen anything yet kids just wait <laughs> just wait until until you start seeing people you know stealing your stuff and calling it their own and all like you've got a long way to go before you can be offering sage advice but the I knew that eventually those content creators were going to start to turn on each other and it's happening and yeah. it's happening the same way that all the investigators turned on each other and the same way that all of us people in the paranormal media eventually turn on each other. Why do you think I've been a solo investigator all my life? I just thought it's because nobody wanted to hang out with you. Well, that too, but I didn't realize it was by, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but that's, there's, there's going to be, I think a course correction a bit. Where you're going to see people say, because the idea was always like, we've got to support each other. We're all content creators trying to find our voice in this space. We've all got to support each other. And I think, and I've always kind of warned people like, don't support people that are doing bad work though. And I think that they finally got to the point where people are starting to realize that, that there are people who are not doing the best work that they could be and that they need to call that out when necessary. Well, it's like what I said all of those years ago. Support the subject. You don't necessarily have to support the people looking into it. Well, I've had people that reach out to me and say, well, who should I avoid? Like, who do I not want to hang out with? Okay, and, then that's a whole nother minefield. Well, my my approach to that question, because, you know, first of all, you never know, like, who knows who and who's going to get upset by yep. what you might say. And so I might say, hey, I wouldn't hang out with this person because I don't really trust their methods or I don't like the way that they've, you know, treated people or what have you. I just realized it's easier to not even get into those little peeing contests and instead just say, trust your gut. That's no, I don't, I don't tell, I don't give people that advice because they, unfortunately they're getting burned more than, than, uh, than protected by, by doing that because people in this field are very, and I hate using that word field now, but people that are in this are very deceptive they're very charismatic and make you think that they're good people and then they turn out not to be. So it's it's hard to, to give that advice. I just look at it like this, and this is what I tell people. Look at who you see me working with. And then the people that I work with, look at who you see them working with. Stick to those people. You know, if you if you if you don't see us working with people, especially like local people, and you're like, how come you never do anything with them? There's probably a reason for it. So just kind of utilize that as a guidepost. See who is around you and who's been around in it for a long time and who is the ones that are working with them because it it just happens. Like there's so much bad things that people do because they don't have the best intentions. And it's, it's not about serving the paranormal anymore. It's about serving their own ego. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's what we're seeing even with some of these stories. Like do you, do you honestly really think... And I, I don't know, because, I, again, I put this stuff in front of a, a, a trademark lawyer, and the trademark attorney thought that there was a case here for U.S. Ghost Adventures. But I would ask anybody that looks at this, do you really think that they went into this 100% confident that they were going to win? Or did they go into it thinking that they were just going to get the other side to bow out rather right. than try to stay in it and fight? And if that was the case, that's a bullying tactic. I was going to say that's bullying. And if that's, if that's the way that you're going to approach it, I mean... Nobody wants to do business that way. So, and and that's unfortunately what goes on in a Nobody lot of the paranormal. Nobody wants to do 
business. Right. Yeah. When you're talking about paranormal investigation, a lot of these people are treating it as uh, quote unquote a business in some sense. Oh, I mean, to, to some degree it is. Yeah. Uh, you do need to have some sense of how to operate and, and how to do what you're doing. But, you know, you're also talking about a, a situation here where there are two businesses. And, right. you know, one of them completely depends on the paranormal to keep on going. Um, I don't know how many people are just staying in the Lizzie Borden house as it's currently constituted just because they're interested in the history of the case. It's very ghost heavy there. Yes. So if you are somebody that is not into the ghost, it's probably not a place that you're putting on your radar anymore. Um, so that's a very big part of it. The coffee shop doesn't depend on it as much. They talk about it, but like they're not bringing people in and having them investigate. They're not charging people money to go into the back room and see if there are any ghosts there. So I don't know. The the lawyer, I'm sorry, the judge brought up the point that it was, you know, two different, completely different businesses. And I think the more you look at it, that's that's right. Yeah. So. <sighs> oh, yeah. I also thought of the other thing that I said about the Lizzie Borden house that probably is part of the reason why they blocked me. Okay. Because they made a, a nasty comment about the Conjuring house and I put something about that too. Uh, he's just angry because he can't own it. Well, and that's what I said. Oh, okay. So great minds think alike. But they, I think that might have also played a part in it. But that's all right. You know, you can block me. I don't care. It doesn't bother me any. I didn't really look at your page that much anyway, except, you know, when I'm writing a story, I want to give you a fair chance to have your say. I do that in any story that I write. I reach out to the other side. And, you know, I think if you read the story, I think people know how I feel about the whole situation. I've been vocal in the fact that I support the idea that the coffee shop should be allowed to be in business. But... I think if you read the story, there's no bias to it. There's no slant. I just straight reported what I happened. I find it a shame. It could have been a great, you know, codependent. Well, codependent is probably a bad phrase, but uh, commingled type of situation where they could have helped each other. That's what Joe thought was going to happen. He thought it was going to be a partnership where they were going to provide coffee and refreshments for some of the events. Yeah, and the, 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 it's a missed business opportunity. That's the way I see it. It's like, you, sh you know, okay, you're going to spend twice the money to shoot yourself in the foot further. Hey. Whereas and you could have been making money. Okay. We'll, see, we'll see what, maybe they can revisit that now, now that they know that it's going to stay Miss Lizzie's Coffee. Maybe they can revisit it and they can talk about how to work together. Oh, you want to see neighbors get along. You want to see yeah. people be able to work together. And certainly there's enough people coming here for coming to Fall River for the purposes of Lizzie Borden related things yep. that the more things you can give them, the better the experience. So have them go and stay at the house. But have them and have them take the tour and do the ghost hunt that they do there and all that. But have them be able to go to the coffee shop and get a cup of coffee and then go down to yeah. to go down to uh, Stumpy's Hatchet mm -hmm. House and throw some throw some hatchets. And exactly, they could make little gift certificate things that are interchangeable between you know these three venues. But you know that's for people that buy a buy a room for the night or whatever. Yeah, that's. Looking at a way where you can serve the greater story and the greater overall history than just your own little individual business. And maybe maybe that's what this will be the end result of. I do think there are a lot of people whose ears perked up when I talked about it and whose eyes will perk up, I guess, if eyes perk up, when they're reading the story where it says that, you know, U.S. Ghost Adventures admits in this, in this case that uh, they don't own the Lizzie Borden story because there are other people who will say, well... It felt like they were trying to. So 
I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully this is all now water under the bridge. Everything moves forward and both businesses can flourish. That's what I hope. Hmm. Anyway, that'll about do it for tonight's show. Uh, we'll be back next week. We'll talk more about the paranormal. I think that uh, you will have a great Halloween this year. I think it's going to be, I've, I think I looked and I saw it's going to be like partly cloudy, slightly crisp and cool. So it should be good Halloween weather. Whether you're trick-or-treating or having a party, whatever it is that you're going to be doing. Um, I, as people have been asking me where I'm going to be Monday, I'm at the Plymouth Library, but don't come to that. I keep saying that on the morning show. Don't come. It's already full up. They've filled up all 120 seats, and they have a waiting list that's full up, too. So there won't be any room in Plymouth on Monday. But the Martin Institute at Stonehill College on Tuesday morning, uh, you can check them out and go and give them a call and see if there's room for them. Uh, at their registration, it is that is uh, at 11 a.m., 11.30. And Moniz has something coming up, too. Yep. I'm going to be in the Greater New England UFO and Bigfoot Conference up in uh, Lemonster at the Veterans Memorial Center. And that's going to be Sunday, November 19th, starting at 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. It's an all-day event. All right, so you can come out and you can hang out with us. You can get weird with us and uh, get spectacular with us as well. So uh, I hope that everybody out there has a great Halloween. If uh, if you don't celebrate it, you just like to stay inside with the lights off and eat the candy yourself, you know, watch a good horror movie, watch the Bridgewater Triangle documentary, have some fun, uh, enjoy it because it only comes around once a year. We don't get to celebrate it as nearly as much as I would like to, but uh, have a good one, enjoy it, and stay spectacular. <laughs>